and I'm a little crazy and a little messed up. And unfortunately, I didn't bring, I have wonderful photographs of Ralph Moore in Corinth. I got to go there two years ago. I was uh, doing some teaching in Athens when, when all this financial crisis just began to hit in Athens. I, I went and, and I spoke one night and the crowd was about as big as this crowd. And I went back the next night and they had shut down the rail system and about 60 people showed up uh, because they were rioting in the streets in the middle of Athens. But on that trip, they took me to Corinth. I got to go to the marketplace and it's a pretty exciting place. I have a little map that I do have with me. Take a look at this and I want to show you some things. There we go. Okay, see my little red dot? Can you, can you see it over here? Now follow it across on the screen. It says Corinth right there, and this is Corinth. And then it's got another town called Centurea, and they, they really were kind of one metropolis of about 400,000 people in ancient times. Uh, we know that in, the, in, the, in the, the prostitution cults that they had, that they had as many as 1,000 uh, temple prostitutes in this place. I've been in the Agora. It's quite a large place. The Agora means the marketplace. Uh, quite well organized. Pretty amazing, the remains that are there. Uh, it's, but you'll see that it's a peninsula, um, a little thin peninsula. And, and, and this probably contributes to it. Shipping that was trying to come from uh, over here, this is Ephesus, which is in Turkey, um, if you were way down here someplace where that guitar is, you'd be in Israel. Um, you're trying to get up. Um, there's Macedonia. Uh, you're trying to get over here to Rome, where my little pointer is. And the, the quickest way to get your goods through would actually be to sail here, unload them, cart them across the peninsula, because it's very, very short, uh, less than a mile, really, at, at its narrowest. And, uh, and then put them on another ship and sail this way or do the same thing going the other way. Today there's a, a, a canal called the Corinthian Canal uh, that they dug actually 150 years ago. Pretty amazing feat of engineering. And so this was a, a you know, seaport towns always kind of have a reputation for being a rough place. Well, this was really a two seaport town. And so um, the, 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 the city was well-schooled. People were intellectual. Uh, people were, were prideful over their learning. They were arrogant about it. And all that worldly kind of thinking actually kind of leaked its way into the church. This is a church that God blessed in unusual ways. A guy named Sosthenes and the Jewish people bring Paul before the court. Uh, you can read this in Acts chapter 18 and, and want them to be uh, stoned because they're disrupting business because of the idolatry that's going on in town and people are turning to the Lord in large numbers. And uh, the guy, Gallio, who's hearing the case says, forget you guys, you got, you got no case at all. And so everybody turns around and beats up the current synagogue leader named Sosthenes. Well, we're going to find as we read 1 Corinthians that Sosthenes himself later on became a believer. And now they've traveled someplace away and they're writing back to the church in Corinth. Paul and Sosthenes are together in this whole thing. And it's a very, very interesting portion of Scripture. The first part we're talking about in verse 1 is knowing your calling. It starts out by saying, This letter is from Paul, who was chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. And the question that I would have, you know, as, as we, we get into Paul, 
Uh, Paul is an apostle. Uh, the word means somebody who is sent out on a, on a mission from God. Uh, so, so he's a, he's a global leader. Sosthenes, his name actually means secure and strong. And he's a local leader. And, and so these men both have their calling in the, in the church, in the local church and in the global church. And, and they, they, they know what they're doing. The question that I have for you is, what is your calling? You know, we were moving today, and uh, it's, it's been quite a story for my wife and I. Uh, we, we had decided that we wanted to move last springtime uh, to West Oahu. She has asthma. The, the air is drier out there. That's good. Uh, the maintenance fees on our condo were getting astronomical, and that was a, a thing we wanted to escape. And, and so we went out looking for houses and just thinking about We'd seen my sister moved out there and rented a house, and so we, we saw how nice it was. And, and so we're, we're looking around for a place to live. And, and, um, and, and so we started. We went on a Monday, and, and on Monday, you know, they don't have real open houses. It's just you can see model homes and that stuff. And so we went through this model home, of this development they had four models and we hit this one and we just loved it and uh, so we put our name on the list to see if we could buy it and then we found out how hard it is to buy from a developer anyway because if you don't have your house already in escrow sold uh, then they won't even talk to you about buying their house and you know the problem is you could put your house in escrow and then you something could go wrong you wouldn't end up buying their house and you'd be homeless and so we just kind of gave up on all that but we prayed that we would like to have that house, and and it, it is over. You know, it's just last night we went we went to West Oahu three times yesterday delivering stuff. We did a pre-move where we rented a 14-foot truck on Tuesday and took a whole bunch of stuff out there. My daughter flew in from California. All kind of people in the church have been helping. Today we had exactly the right number of pickup trucks and exactly the right space and all the guys that we needed, and it was just, it, it's so cool. It's a mess, but it's cool we're in it. And, uh, but, but, but afterwards, after we, all the moving's done, we're all sitting around eating lunch. Everybody got, you know, McDonald's and Taco Bell brought in. And, and so we're just having a good time. And, and we start going, where's Wolfgang? I don't know if any of you guys know Wolfgang Adler. He's, he's Austrian. And, uh, and where's Ron Nishihara? And, 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 and these guys are in the house still working. And we're all sitting around and having a good time, and we go out there, and and uh, they they had so organized the thing. Every every box, because we marked every box very carefully, which room it went into, and Ron insisted that every box was going to go into every room that it had to go into. But two things that Ron did, he organized the stuff that's in there, and you got to understand, there's hundreds of boxes because I put them in those little banker boxes so that my wife can't make them too heavy for me. You know, smart guy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Ron organized all the Christmas boxes so they'd be all together and all the DVD boxes so they'd be all... I mean, he is moving stuff like you wouldn't believe, but he also is just opening space. And Wolfgang is going, I can't believe it. You know, you're, 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 you're like an architect who's making space out of no space. Well, Ron is an architect. And I was teasing Wolfgang because Wolfgang speaks with a German accent because he's from Austria. I go, you know what? That guy's so good he ought to be German. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, Ron is a guy that can just negotiate. He, he's, he's an architect's architect. He doesn't draw houses. 
he takes other people's plans and gets them through the government. And that's what he does. And he makes things happen. Um, it's just amazing what he can do. And, and he's doing it as a Christian who's doing it unto the Lord. And he finds opportunities to share the Lord and evangelize. He actually brought a guy that he's been trying to, to, to share the Lord with to help me move today. And the guy was a hard, hard worker. But, but Ron has found his calling. He's found his niche. He knows where he belongs. Where do you belong? Are you where you belong? You know, so often we think of a calling as going to be a pastor. I, I, your shop is a place of, of warmth. It's a place that people like to go to. What, what's your calling? Dennis Adair's called to be a hippie. I mean, what, what's God called you to do? We need to all understand that we all are called by God to do something and to do it well, and we really, really ought to always assess our lives. You know, this whole New Year's resolution thing, I've already kept my, all my New, Re New Year's resolutions already. How's that? Uh, what's this, January the 7th? I've already kept my New Year's. I didn't make any. Because I just want to be a person who walks out my calling on a day-to-day -day basis, and I think that that's if we're doing that, and put one foot in front of the other, and we're doing it collectively, uh, we begin to make an impact in the world. You know, do I need to remind you that there's 700 churches that came out of 12 people in 1971, and you guys are a big part of making that happen? And that's not counting when I was in Corinth. I wasn't going there with any of our 700 churches. I was going with a whole bunch of people who want to start planting churches from the biggest church in Greece. Let me tell you about the guy I know there. Is it okay if I do this? I'm, I'm way off the sermon. It's, a, it's about an eight-point sermon, and I'm on one. So, uh, uh, My friend George Patsoras is about my age. Uh, unfortunately, he's losing his sight. Uh, but George's family, all of them, uh, immigrated to the, to the United States, except him. And he was denied a visa, uh, even to go to school here. And so he ended up staying in, in Athens, feeling bad about it. He was a Christian. Uh, he attended a four-square church that had about 25 people attending it. And he was a, a law student. He became a lawyer and um, actually became a very, very, very successful lawyer. Along the way, he was appointed the pastor of the four-square church. Now, you don't understand this. Uh, I, I, I always get people who get upset with me. I am absolutely firmly in favor of separation of church and state because I do not want some Muslim person teaching my grandchildren how to pray because that's what happens when you get church and state intertwined. If, you, if you're in an Islamic country, they are Islamic countries by law. If you are in Greece for years and years, thousands of years, the Greek Orthodox Church ran everything. And by law, no other church was allowed to have more than 25 people ever assemble at a meeting. And so these churches were kept small and poor. George is a very successful attorney making a lot of money to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Point here that I see, he talks about God's church. You know, it, it, it always irritates me 
when people that I know that are fairly new in the church, and, and I, don't, I don't get mad at them, I just get irritated. Uh, but they'll, 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 they'll talk to me about your church. You know, we'll be talking about the church, and they'll say, well, your church, your church, your church. And, and I go, no, our church, our church, our church. Because it really is our church, right? The pastor never owns it. That's silly. Some pastors think they do. That's silly, too. But really, it's the Lord's church. The Lord owns it. And, 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 and the church is holy here. It says we're called to be God's holy people. And the word holy actually means set apart for God's purposes. It means restricted for God's use. And my question to you is, do you live your life in a way that, that people would look at you and say, that person is set apart for God? That person, God has a plan for their life, and they're living that, that plan. It may not be a very religious plan. It probably isn't in most cases. But this person is living up to God's ownership of their life. You know, I, I always use this illustration, but I, I, I used to really be into tools. I, was, I, I used to do auto body and auto restoration, and, and I got so I could paint really good and do all that. And, uh, and, and I just got rid of, in the move, I got rid of all my car tools. I, I, I still got wrenches and stuff, but I don't have any of the rest of the stuff. I just decided it's over. But uh, as, as we planned this move, we were real logical about it. I went in and I taped off exactly where my table saw was going to be. And then I started putting up these big plastic shelves. And then I went and I taped off exactly where my workbench with the two rollaway cabinets is going to be. And, 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 I, and, I, and I got that. And I, it's just, that's my stuff. And you know something? I don't loan it out. And sorry, I'm a nice guy, and I really am. And, and I love the Lord, and I'm a Christian, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you stuff. We, we just gave away a 42-inch color TV. We bought all the furniture that came with the house, and I was so thrilled to just be able to give it to somebody. Uh, we just gave away our beds. Uh, we, we just gave away a ton of furniture in, in the last few days. It's been just so much fun being able to give. But we got to don't loan my tools. Another thing I don't do is loan my books. I just, you know, if, if, the, if it's a book, you know, I write books. And so I, I, I like to read history. I write books about church, but I can always figure out a way to get history into it. And so I have all these history books very seldom. I still will. If it's somebody I really, really, really trust, I'll loan them a book. But I don't loan books much. I, it's just it's set apart from my use. Well, I'm jealous of my stuff. And I think God is jealous of his stuff, and you're his stuff. Amen. The word holy doesn't mean super upright religious. What it means is simply set apart for God to use in a way that he wants to use you. Am I making sense? I was teasing my friend Dennis. There's, there's only one aging hippie in the room, so just look around for the bald guy with a ponytail and gray hair, and you'll know who I'm talking about. Wave at everybody. Come on, come on. He's the only guy that I know in my whole life that started supporting a kid from one of these Christian things, you know, where they want to have you support a kid overseas, and you give him like seven bucks a month or something like that. And he did this for a long time, and the kid writes to you and stuff. Well, Dennis decided to go visit the kid. Where? Pakistan. And 
he went, you know, I'm supporting this, this, some little girl, and she's been writing letters to me, and it's been going on for years. And so he just decides to go there and visit her. And he went there, and he visited her. And on the way, he went to Vietnam, and this is when it first opened up, and went back and visited the places that he had been, you know, when he was in the war and all that. But Dennis comes back, and, and, and two things that stand out in my mind is, one is he built an orphanage for a, like, 45-bed orphanage, and Dennis is not a wealthy man. I mean, all of us in America are wealthy people by the world standards. It doesn't take all that much money to run an orphanage. And, and, he, and he built and he maintained this orphanage for these people in Pakistan. And I think that's a really cool thing. What do you think? Amen. The other thing, the other thing that he did is he threatened to kill her father. He, he paid the father the wedding dowry. And so that Nobody else could buy her, and, and now Dennis technically owns her, and he says, it's your job to make sure that she gets to finish school. I'll pay for it. But if I find out that you went and took a dowry from somebody else and sold her again, uh, we're messing with honor here. I'll have to come and kill you. <laughs> he actually told the guy that. <laughs> but you know what he's doing? Is, 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 is he's living in a, a, a super honor today. Do this every single day for seven days and come back and see me. And when I talked to Rod about it, the guy actually forgot that he'd had the conversation the week before. He just came to Rod and goes, wow, church was really good today. The worship team were really on it. It was so cool. And your preaching was great. It was a super message. But what had happened was he got involved with the Lord's work, being a part of the Lord's church. He started serving other people. And when you start to give yourself away to other people, it always turns up the heat spiritually in your life. Am I making sense? I, I, I used to know a person in California that was really uh, kind of manic depressive. And when they were manic, they were fun to be around. When they were depressed, they were no fun at all to be around. And, and uh, one time during their depressed state, I, I told them about there was a, an outing going. We, we had some guys in our church, some, some students, uh, one guy actually was a teacher of handicapped boys and girls. And these guys decided that they were going to get a sailboat and sail it to Peru. And then they started thinking, well, we could turn it into a ministry. If Maybe if we took a bunch of junior high boys and we got a big sailboat and we sailed it to Peru and we went surfing in Peru, we'll do a surfing ministry in Peru. This is from California, right? And kind of a not real smart idea. But it evolved. And uh, I, I was doing a Bible study. I was discipling these guys, and I was gone for two weeks. I come back, and the whole thing is turned into, now forget the sailboat. We're going to take handicapped boys and girls camping. And they went to the United States Marine Corps, who loaned them a bunch of tents, but also loaned them Marines to come and set up the tents. And they went to Yosemite, and they took a bunch of kids camping. And this thing just grew and grew and grew and, 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 and grew into this... Uh, Pretty, pretty incredible ministry. And um, I forgot why I was telling you this story. <laughs> I am tired from moving. Huh? You got any ideas? Why, why would I have told that story? Well, yeah, it, it was doing what's in front of you, but I had some other little angle I was going to spin on it. But uh, the, it, got, it got to where... Um, that I got a, a camp in Southern California, a Christian camp, 
to actually give them acreage that they could use. Actually, they loaned it to them, and they set up a camp, and they were, they were handling 200 kids a summer. Uh, started with three, three young guys that wanted to take a surf trip, and they start going, what do we have in our hands, and what can we do with it? And, and then who knows where it goes, you know, as you start to spread yourself by what he does, the, the way he ministers. Uh, my friend John is sitting here. He's a doctor. Almost everybody that I know that's ever had allergy problems or asthma problems uh, knows John. Everybody. His light shines. And God will spend time with you. You know, most doctors, you're kind of in and out. Uh-uh. This guy would spend time with you. Where, where do you fit? Because if you're walking as a person that's holy to the Lord, then God wants to pour grace out on you, His kindness. It goes on and says, may He give you peace. And I did the, the you know, studied the Greek thing for peace, and, and it includes what we always think of as peace, peace with others. Nobody mad at me, nobody picking on me, nobody beating me up. But it actually is a broader definition. And the, 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 the dictionary that I went to said that it, by Implication includes the prosperity that goes with peace. You know, I'm reading a book right now that's a history of modern Israel. It's very, very intriguing to me. But the, the, the Arab lands know no peace. I, I, I mean, it's really tragic. They're killing each other over religious reasons, and, and, but they also know no prosperity. I mean, you've got Saudi Arabia with a rich family and everybody else living in poverty, and it's pretty much that way throughout the Arab world, except Turkey. Turkey is a Muslim nation that, that has protected the rights of Christians, of Jews, of other people. Uh, they, they've separated church from state. They've got peace. They've had peace for years. You go to Turkey, it's like going to San Diego. I was there uh, about 15 months ago. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's absolutely a gorgeous place to, to be. May God bring you grace and may God bring you peace that has prosperity along with it. Paul's praying that for the church that says we really belong to the Lord. Now, the church in Corinth wasn't quite getting it. I think we get it pretty good. They weren't quite getting it. That's why Paul had to write these things. Well, I'm almost out of time and I'm only about a third of the way through, so I don't know what I'm going to do. It says we already, you know, talking about already having what we need to do whatever God asks us to do. you got to assume that. You know, the implication to me of understanding that God meets my needs is what's always led to innovation in our church. When we were very young and we were very poor and we lacked things that other churches had, we decided that the Lord said he'll meet all of our needs. Philippians chapter 4, my God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we're whining because we don't have this we think we need this to me. Uh, this is when you could buy a house for about $50,000. So we get this idea to have church on Friday night because we already were packing out Sunday morning twice. And it's like, wait a minute. Somebody just gave me another $1.2 million simply because we believed that we already had what we needed uh, in, instead of trying to build a bigger building, we just decided to use it one more time. And we're the only church that I know of that has seven services every weekend to handle all of its people. See, you, you, you innovate if you take God at his word and you go, well, I, you've met my needs. 
uh, I'm just not seeing it yet. Show me, and the Lord will show you, and you'll get to where you got to go. Well, he says, I thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has, past tense, given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus, that's the key to everything, you belong to him. Through him, God has, past tense, enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words, all of your knowledge. This confirms what that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need. You have every spiritual gift you need. The New King James Version puts it this way. You come short in no gift. You come short in no gift. Whatever you need to do, whatever God's calling you to do, He's already gifted you. You just need to learn to walk in it. Sometimes what we need to do is, is, is just start doing what's in front of us. You know, what is my calling? You know, what, what, what are my spiritual gifts? People ask those kind of questions. Well, what's around you that needs to get done? Put your hand to the plow and you'll find out what you're not good at and you'll find out what you are good at. You'll find out what God didn't bless you with and you'll find out what God did bless you with. Uh, but you'll only find out by experiencing it, by giving it a trial. Am I making sense with all this? Well, it goes on, talks about staying on track. It says that the Lord will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. It's interesting if you look at this free from blame. You know, Christianity gets religious too often, and it gets rulesy. And we're always worried about people doing the wrong thing. And he, he, he never talks about any rules here at all. He talks about having a relationship with God where you go, I belong to you, and I'm going to live that out. And, and, he, and he goes, God will keep you strong to the end, and you'll be free from all blame. It will wear itself out in your life, and it will go away. Because God's blessing and his peace and his prosperity is going to be poured out on you in some wondrous, wondrous ways. Am I making sense? Well, I'm almost done here. I have another scripture I want to read um, about just ex exercising your gifts and doing your thing, and then I'll quit. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It comes from the, the, the version of the Bible called The Message, and Paul writes it this way. I'm not saying that I have all this together. In other words, I'm not saying I have my whole life together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way. I'd like to be able to think that I'm well on my way. I don't think it's arrogant to say I'm well on my way. I don't have it all together, but I'm on my way. I'm doing pretty good at what God's called me to do. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and I'm running, and I'm not turning back. So let's us all keep focused on that goal those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. See, if you think of church and Christianity as religious and rulesy and whatever, then you get out and start to serve the Lord and God will clear your, your blurred vision. It will go away. And he goes on and says, you'll see it yet. And then he ends with these words. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. The Corinthian people had sort of gotten off the track. 
And Paul's trying to bring them right back to where they belong. They've been very blessed. And Paul's going, we'll stay in the place where the blessings keep pouring out. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay there. And let's say God bless us and grace us. Is this good? Well, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for how encouraging it is. Lord, we think of these people who lived their lives 2,000 years ago and, and, and how the struggles that they went through and the antidote to the struggles becomes the antidote to our own life and our own struggles. And, 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 and the words that were written to them uh, can be such a blessing for us. Lord, help us to be people who know how to be blessed. Help us to be people who know where the, where the grace is poured out, who know where the peace and prosperity comes from. Help us to be people that, that understand what it means to be holy. I'm set apart for God. We're praying. Then we'll pray again, me out loud, you silently, and we'll be done with the service here. So if you want to pray with me, I want you to raise your hand now. One, two, three. Okay, I see one hand up. A person about the age I was when I first accepted the Lord. Anyone else? You can put your hand down now. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. And just pray this prayer in your head, but pray it. God, I know I need you, and I want to serve you. I want my life to count for something. And so I just open myself up to you tonight that I want, I want you to become my best friend. I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to forgive me for all the junk that I've done that's wrong and keep on forgiving me because I know I'll never be perfect. But God, 